0: Hey, how are y'all tonight? Okay, nice. Glory be to God. Okay, so um, uh, here's what we're doing tonight is going to be a kind of a different night. We have a bunch of chairs up here on stage. Um, we, are, uh, we just have wrapped up this series for those of you guys who haven't been around with us called The Shape of Love, where we've really tried to step into, good job, bro, uh, where we tried to step into what it looks like to have a proper perspective and definition of biblical love and, and what that really looks like and how to apply it. And so, uh, and then last night, I, I dragged my, my baby's mama up here and uh, answered, tried to answer as best we could a bunch of questions um, that you guys threw our way. And so tonight, we're going to do one more thing that, that kind of everything is going to attach to the love of God because that is the source of... Uh, of our chain, the change in our life. Uh, but then next week, we're going to start a whole new series. And we're actually going to be uh, in the book of Revelation. We're going to be in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation for eight weeks. So <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to figure out exactly when Jesus comes back and the whole deal, get it all mapped out so you can kind of budget your money accordingly so you, you'll run out right at the right time. Um, no, it's going to be a really, really epic, uh, really epic series, and we're starting that next week so tonight we kind of had this, this one night, and as we were thinking through and praying through, okay, what does this need to look like? One of the things that we do a lot as a church is we talk a, a big game, the reality is. We, we talk about how God has changed our life, and Lord willing, he really has. And Lord willing, there really is heart change that's taking place, and you've been set free from, from sin and bondage and, and all of those things. But I think so often uh, as believers, we don't talk and celebrate and get practical, and okay, what does that look like? Hey, let's go love people better. Hey, let's go love the Lord. Let's go love our city better. And so, man, we thought tonight before we jump into this eight-week series, let's drag some people up on stage um, who are doing that well, who I believe are doing that well. And so, we're gonna—I'm gonna drag three people who I love up here, who are who I would consider shepherds in this ministry, who are applying the gospel in a way that is renovating and loving the city well. And so that's what we're getting into tonight. But first, I wanna—I wanna dig into some scripture with you before I call them up here. Second um, Corinthians five. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 has been kind of a theme, honestly, for me this year. What is was this, February? So the last couple of months, I feel like I just can't get out of this chapter. Um, and, uh, and there's this awesome part that I think a lot of us who grew up in the church know really well, and those who've been around churchy Christians, and it's kind of one of those Christian t-shirt verses. And it's verse 17 in chapter 5, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come gosh, that's good, that is is good, that is beautiful, I I grieve over the fact that part of me probably can't receive that verse the way it should, and I beg the Holy Spirit to soften my heart because it's talked about, it's t-shirts and mugs, and man, you're a new creation, and and all of a sudden, some of the truth of the gospel, we talked about a couple weeks ago, starts to become white noise in our life, and woe to us if the truth of the gospel starts to become white noise in our life. But it's this beautiful thing that happens in verse 17 that's the gospel. It's because of God's grace, right? Because we were broken, we were not new creations. We were dirty, filthy, broken creations. But then Jesus, the perfect, beautiful, one and only God incarnate comes and dies. And then those who put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of our risen Lord, our Savior has come, who then makes people new creations, Then those who put their faith in Christ are new creations, and the old is gone and the new has come. And so for my sisters in this room who have struggled their whole life with walking out that identity, who have struggled with not not believing that, feeling like other people, other men, other women in their life have spoken something different to that, they can hold on to verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians and say, this is truth. This, if I am in Christ, this is what my Father says about me. I am a new creation. I'm not defined by my weight on a scale or by what this guy thinks of me or about what my father said to me or about that my heavenly father has defined me in this new way. And for for my brothers in this room, the same is true. No longer are we defined by what the opposite sex thinks of us or how successful or how much money we have or how all of those things that we want to qualify ourselves. Instead, we're a new creation. So all that baggage, all that sin, all that brokenness, we're set free from. And so often I think we don't walk in that freedom. So often, I think on a daily basis, we forget to function in the way that has been paid for us, and instead, we choose, we choose what is less, and we're these, 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 these kids who have been set free from the dungeon, and yet we just love to go down there and play with our old chains. But verse 17, that's no longer the case if you're in Christ, but it goes on, and a lot of times, we just stop at that because it's beautiful and it's powerful, and there's enough stuff in that verse to last me the rest of my life to apply It's going to take me the rest of my life to apply verse 17 of my life, but also verse 18 is pretty good too. The rest of the Bible is all pretty good. So uh, (laughs) let me go ahead and, and poke into verse 18 because Paul goes on and he says, all this is from God, all this gospel, all this freedom, this new creation hood. It is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And then here's where we're going tonight. There's this word right here that says And. So God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us. Praise God for the gospel. And, there it is again, entrusting us the message of reconciliation. That and is huge. If we call ourselves new creations... And we decide, man, we're believers, we've put our faith in Christ and we are now new creations, that's great, but we forget this massive attachment to this new identity we have, which is we've been given a message of reconciliation. We have been been set free, made new, and then there's this beautiful thing that's attached to it. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, he entrusted us the message of reconciliation, And so attached to your identity, brothers and sisters, if if you're in this room and you're in Christ, you are a missionary. You are a missionary and an ambassador and someone to go out and share this message of reconciliation with your life that is intrinsically connected to your identity as a Christian. And if you are a Christian and you say, okay, well, I'm a Christian here, but to go out and spend my life introducing others into that message of reconciliation, well, that's varsity Christianity. That's a lie. That is a lie that the enemy has sold you that is is keeping you disobedient. To be a Christian and not be a missionary in your culture is to be a disobedient Christian. And so that should strike all of us and say, okay, there is room to grow there. There's room for all of us to apply this gospel and walk out our new identity in our life but then also to apply it in a way to say, okay, Father, I want to go and do. I don't want to just be a hearer of your word. I want to be a doer of your word. I want to go and I want to be obedient to how you've called us to live. In verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God chooses to make his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, This ministry exists because we believe uh, the God of the universe wants to bring renovation to your life. Uh, We believe that there are 70,000 young adults in this city, and we desire to be an embassy of the message of reconciliation to young adults in this city. We desire for people to come inside the walls of this place on Wednesday night and leave glorifying God, leave hearing the message of reconciliation, hearing that their baggage is no longer a burden they have to carry, hearing that religion isn't what cleans you up so that you would be worthy to worship, but instead it's the grace of God that purifies you through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the fact that our Savior bled and died on a cross. And then worship is our response to that grace. And so we desire that. And we believe God is doing that work of renovation in your life and desires to do that. If you, if you have this picture of a house and he's knocking out walls and it's painful and it's awkward at times and when sin gets revealed in our life and when we're around other believers and when we're called out on things and, and he's ripping out old bathtubs and putting in cool hipster clawfoot bathtubs and he's doing all of those things in our life and he's renovating us. But also we believe we're called to to receive that message of reconciliation and then go outside the walls of this place and be ambassadors for Christ Jesus. And so um, that is an easy thing to preach, if I'm gonna be real honest. Um, I don't know if it's preached enough, but it's an easy thing to say, and all right, let's go get them, guys. Casey will lead us in a great song, and then we'll just all march out there together and get in white vans and just go start serving somewhere. I don't know why they had to be white, but in my mind, they were white. (laughs) Right? It's an easy thing to preach. It's an easy thing to preach. Um, but what we wanted to do kind of different tonight, we've never really kind of done anything like this, is, man, let's just talk about application. Let's talk about, let's hear from some, some brothers and a, and a sister in this flock who God has done that work of, and then let's real practically talk about, man, where are some places that I can step out and be a renovation, specifically tonight, a renovation in the city that for at least tonight you are called to live here, and therefore you are called to be a missionary here. Because at least tonight, on this Wednesday night, uh, you're here, and therefore, if you're going to obedi- be obedient, you're called to be an ambassador. So um, with that, I want to invite up Nathan and TJ and Steph. If you guys would come on up. Um, yeah, you guys clap for them. I'm going to slide that one over. I'll put Steph here and you guys over here. I'm going to sit here. Cool. Uh, so uh, these are people who I uh, I love, all three of them. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, yourselves. Just who are you? Oh, yeah, you're going to need this microphone. Tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, My name is Nathan Rowe, and uh, I graduated from Southwestern Seminary. Uh, I got my undergrad there.
0: Graduated from there in May. Did you notice that nobody cheered there? Like, there's like nobody. Either one, nobody goes to that school, or we don't want your pity cheers. We don't want them. Yeah. So I'm not sorry, bro. A whoop. Oh no, nothing, nothing, no.
1: But if I said A and M,
0: yeah, everyone. Would. <laughs> it's a cult, guys. It's a cult. It's ridiculous. Anyway, anyways, we're new creations. <laughs> yes, thank, you. thank um, you.
1: All right, so graduated from there in May. I uh, currently substitute teach in Fort Worth ISD and uh, work part time for Justin's Place, which nice. you will hear about.
0: Cool. Yeah.
2: My name is Stephanie Paulson, and I am a senior at TCU. (laughs) Go Frogs. Hometown crowd there. um, I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I'm a communication. Oh.
0: oh. (laughs) All right, calm down. (laughs) You're not better than us, okay?
2: (laughs) Uh, And I'm a communication (laughs) criminal justice double major.
3: Nice. My name is TJ Detwaller. Uh, i 'm a student at the college of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary Ooh,
2: yeah. right, there you go. That's
3: right, i 'm um, I'm, I'm studying to be a pastor. Uh, nice. I love to preach that 's my calling um, it 's a fairly new thing i 've only been a Christian for about five years, um, and so that 's my drive uh, school full time I do some part time stuff I valet, which is cool because I get to drive a whole lot of cars that i 'll never afford. nice it 's <laughs> true yeah that 's awesome. true
0: so. it 's very true. nice. Um, okay, so tell us uh, kind of working backwards what there's a flyer in y'all's seat, or there should have been, that, um, that kind of unpacks some real tangible things that we want to do as a ministry. Uh, Christ Chapel uh, gives and partners with 31, I think 31 is the right number, uh, local ministries in the city that Christ Chapel is giving to or in some way trying to assist and, and help. And so we thought, wow, that's a lot of ministries. We encourage you to partner with them or any other ministry that's focused on, on making much of Christ uh, in the city. But we thought, man, for Renovate, let's adopt three of them. Let's just tone down the target overload, and let's adopt three of them. And so we adopted three local ministries that we said, man, let's spur our flock on to serve in one of these three if they've got margin. And so each of these guys are represented. They're all each coincidentally plugged into these, uh, one of these. So man, tell us about the ministry that you're partnered with, and then tell us just a kind of a snapshot about what they do and what they want to do. Um, I'm
3: partnering with Beautiful Feet. And Beautiful Feet, for me, that's close to home. Um, it, it helps a lot of men who are homeless uh, men and women, families that are kind of out on, on the fringes going through life. So it's not necessarily just homeless. Some people are just out of prison. Some are drug addicts. Um, some are just at that rough spot in life where they're, they're really needing a helping hand. Nice. And they reach out and they help. Um, they do it a couple of different ways. They have the fort mentality where they have their church They do two, two services a day and feed two meals a day. They have doctors. They have dentists. They have transportation. They have all these different avenues to serve. But they also have another one where they, they understand there's people in the fridges that won't come to a service. There's people that won't come to church. There's people who won't come if you invite them. You can't even get to them. And so every once in a while, they'll fill up the bus, and they'll take Starbucks. They'll take all kind of good treats, and they'll go out to the camps. They'll go under the bridges. They'll go out into the woods where they know that the camps are, and they'll take the good news to them. They'll nice. take the gospel, and they'll put an arm around them and say, people love you. We know you're out here, but we love you. Come on back with us.
0: Cool. Steph?
2: I work for The Net, I'm an intern. I've been with them for three and a half years and it's a nonprofit here in Fort Worth and we focus on building relationships with people. So we work with victims of the sex industry, um, homeless and refugee kiddos and mainly I focus on the homeless. And so we have bingo and bagels which is a breakfast every Friday morning with our street friends and then with the victims of the sex industry And with that, we go to the jails and we talk to the women in on prostitution charges and then we partner with a probation program called RISE and we pair um, advocates up in order to just meet and introduce healthy community and build relationships.
0: Nice.
1: Um, So I work with Justin's Place and uh, to sum it up in a sentence, um, Justin's Place exists to impact children's lives um, by empowering mothers to... Become self sufficient and break the cycle of poverty. That's awesome. Um, and so
0: it's in stop six, is that right? Stop six, yeah.
1: East which is east Fort Worth. Yeah. Into a um,
0: really tough neighborhood just to break through that, that wall of poverty. Correct.
1: Yeah, we uh, we do ministry right across the street from Caville Housing Projects,
0: which when you think projects, sure. That's what, what you think? it is. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about Steph, maybe you start. We talked about being new creations, uh, and so I would love just for a little bit to hear each of y'all's story, your testimony, how God has taken you from you know, where you were to being a new creation. What's that look like in your life?
2: So I, like I said, grew up in Los Angeles, California. My mom's name is Ellen, and she is epic. She's my favorite person in the whole world, and uh, my dad unfortunately struggled with depression and narcissism and was chauvinistic. And so for us, that was kind of a um, unfortunate combination which made him verbally and emotionally abusive. And so all throughout school, I grew up going to church. My mom was the children's pastor. Loved church, um, except everyone always said that God was my father. And I had one who didn't like me, so I didn't want to. Um, So I loved Jesus, he died for me, that sounded epic, but I didn't like God and then I found out they were all three in one, and so I ended up hating that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, went into high school. I have an older brother, three years older, and when he was a senior, I was a freshman, and he said, to make the pain go away, all you gotta do is drink. I was like, what an easy fix. And so, started drinking, and my junior year, I uh, ended up doing 13 shots in a half an hour, And I don't remember anything, but I was unconscious and vomited, and so I choked on my own vomit, and my friends had to resuscitate me. And so I decided then, I was like, well, that's not making things better. And my youth pastor came to me and said, do you want to come to a Christian conference? And I had to say yes, because my mom worked at the church, and I had to look good. And so I said yes, and I told God, okay, if you want to prove that you love me, even though, don't worry, I know you don't, then you have to show up. I'm a little bit stubborn. Um, And so we're at the conference, first day, nothing happens. I'm gonna give him grace because a lot of people are talking to him. There's a lot of people at this conference. The second day, (laughs) I show up, nothing. So then I'm like, okay, well I'm done with you. you. I gave you two days, you didn't show up, I'm done. The third day, these guys come and sit in front and it's a Christian conference so you just don't steal seats. And so I get upset with them for stealing seats and they go, we'd love to pray for the Holy Spirit for you. And I was, I grew up Lutheran and you don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so I was like, it doesn't work. It's okay. And And I was wrong. Um, (laughs) And so they uh, started praying for me and I sat back in my chair and started sobbing Because for the first time in my life, I realized that every single lie my dad had said was a lie. That all the questions as a little girl that I ran to ask him, and I was like, hey, am I worth it? Like, am I worth being loved? And unfortunately, he responded with no. And God said, actually, that's not true. You are. You are so worth being loved. You are my daughter. You are precious. And he spoke truth over me, and I had never heard that before, and I realized that I had been able to reach out to that at any point, but I never did, and so I decided then, I was like, this is who I'm committing to. No one has ever loved me this way, made me feel this way, that's it, I'm done. And so, started applying to colleges, And I didn't want to come here because I'm from California and Texas seemed like the biggest downgrade, no offense. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) You're not better than us. You're not better than us. Uh, uh, Some touchy territory, (laughs) I'm
2: so sorry. Um, And the Lord said, you have to go there. And I said, no, and then he said, yes. And I said, fine, I'll serve you and um, like I was doing him a favor by coming here. And then I get here and I start going to the aardvark and I fall in love with all of who God says he is and then he introduced me to the net and sparked this huge passion of being able to love these women who ask the same questions that I did and now I get to offer them that same truth of yes, you are so worth being loved to the point of death Mm. on a cross.
0: That's great, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. <clears throat> yeah brother. Okay,
1: so, um, let's see. Are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so I'm gonna preface with, I'm gonna say something and everyone's gonna be like, oh no, that sucks. And then I'm gonna leave it behind and revisit later. Okay, thanks for that heads uh, up. Anytime. Honestly,
0: it Happens every time I yeah, say
1: something. Good. Um, okay, so my mom was a, or is, not really sure which one, um, was a drug addict and left me and my family when I was about um, three or four, super young. And um, that's the part that I'm going to leave behind and revisit. Uh, so with that being said, um, parents split and uh, dad got remarried. Um, and so I grew up not going to church, but kind of had a, a normalish childhood, if you will, Um, but didn't go to church. And then going into eighth grade, uh, someone asked me if I believed in God. And I was like, "Uh, sure, I guess. Um, And didn't really know what that meant at all. And so uh, anyways, they invited me to church, shared the gospel with me, eighth grade, pretty awesome. Um, Shared the gospel with me, invited me to church. And so I started going and uh, something just kept me coming back. Holy Spirit. And uh,
0: (laughs) He does that. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: It uh, kept me coming back, and uh, going into my junior year of high school, I went to church camp, and I don't really remember too much about the camp, uh, but I do remember one night they were talking about forgiveness, and the Lord put it on my heart to, for, to call it my mom who, retrack when I was three or four, now I'm 16, um, you know, left me and my family And uh, so the Lord put it on my heart to call up, uh, contact my mom and forgive her uh, of any bitterness that I had built up towards her or anything like that. And so I did. And as I was contacting her and had that conversation, uh, I was just thinking like, okay, obviously, like there's no way I was gonna do that on my own. Uh, And so the Lord like, he allowed me to do that because there's so much, so much of my sin that I have done and that offends Him, and He's forgiven me of all that. Mm-hmm. And so He allowed me to forgive my mom. Uh, and so I was like, okay, yeah, God is real. Like I want to follow Him. That's awesome. And so that's. And now I'm just. Now you changed. Now no, you arrived. Also. Yes, varsity <laughs> level. Not true. That's a good one. Not true. Nice.
0: Thank
3: you, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Chicago. Any, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Windy city. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a house, we didn't... If, if God or Jesus was mentioned, it wasn't in a positive way. Let's put it that way. Um, it was usually in surprise or in a curse. Uh, my dad was a pretty violent man. He was angry. He was an alcoholic. He had a lot of issues from being a soldier when he, was, when he was younger and he just never really processed them. He didn't have a dad his, himself so he didn't really know how to be a father and it didn't really, it didn't really go well for us as kids. He was violent. He was abusive. Um, family home was destructive and I remember there was always these times because I've got four brothers so five boys in the house. My parents were always looking for ways to pass us away, get, us, get them out of the house for a while and you know the church buses would always come by and they're like, yeah, take our kids to the church. That'd be awesome. They get the day to themselves and we'd be out there listening, listening to the gospel. And I remember, I was eight years old or so, I remember coming back from one of those situations and I said, if, if God's real, how could this be my life? If he loves me, what is this going on today? Like, how is this possible? And that was, at that point, even at eight years old, I went, there's no way. And so I, I went through my life and, you know, 13 years old, I, I decided to start doing the things I saw around me, you know, drugs, alcohol. You know, my father numbed that way, I numbed that way, my brothers, same thing, uncles. You know, 20 years later, I was still living that life. There'd been years of cocaine, years of heroin, years of crystal meth, in and out of prison. And my best friend, Ben, he'd been through 20 years of that with me. Um, even five years of traveling with the carnival, if you could believe that. And something had changed to his life when I was in prison. And I got out and I knew his life was different. I knew he was... I he was going to church, but I didn't really know much about it. And I called him when I got paroled. I paroled right into a homeless shelter, 500 other men, downtown Chicago. It was a rough situation. And I said, bro, I need some help. And he said, man, let me tell you about Jesus. And I said, Ben, that's real cool, man. I'm not mad at God. I don't have any issues about the whole thing. It's cool that you're doing church, but that whole Jesus thing is just not for me. Um, I'm broke and I'm homeless. I need some cash. You know, that was, that was the answer to my problems. He got some advice from a good friend of his who's now one of my best friends. He said, TJ hadn't hit his bottom yet, send it to him. You know he's gonna use drugs, send it to him anyway. And he sent that money and he prayed. He said, Lord, anything short of death break TJ's pride or he'll never see you. Because at that point, even though my life sucked, I was God of my life. And two hours after I picked that money up from the Western Union, I lay on the floor. It was a public restroom in a library downtown. And I lay on the floor with no heartbeat. Anything short of death break TJ's pride. I took two resuscitations and a week in a coma before I opened my eyes again. That's when I decided things needed to change. And so that's when I came from Chicago to Texas, came to where my best friend was, and I enrolled in this discipleship program. It's just outside of Austin. And it was a few weeks later, I went to him and I said, it was still stubborn, I said, this whole Jesus thing is just not for me. You know, I'm not mad at you, I get what you're doing, but maybe I'll go to rehab. I know I need help, but I don't need Jesus. And he said, all right, man. He said, you know, him and the director, they they talked about it. They said, give us a week. We'll get you a plane ticket if you want to go home. And he said, can can you pray with me? It was a Wednesday night. We were on our way to church. And I just, I mean, I kind of said it stubbornly, but I knew exactly what I was going back to. I didn't have any illusions I was going to go be sober and live successfully now. I just said, God, if you're real, I need you to show me. It was that simple. That night, the sermon was don't quit. Over and over, the pastor said, don't quit don't quit. And it was in Galatians 6 where it says, just on the other side of this trial, there's fruit for you if you don't give up. And I heard that and I was filled with those goosebump moments and I'm getting them now. And I I didn't know what it was at first. I knew something was going on, but I actually went afterwards and I accused the pastor. I was like, this is a conspiracy. I
0: know what's going on. It's a conspiracy.
3: And that was the first thing I said to him. He's like, wait, who are you? What's going on? He was way confused. And I was like, "Listen." listen, I told this guy earlier that I quit and he called you and said, tell him not to quit. <laughs> he's like, oh, listen, to he's like, this is December. I've been preparing this sermon for a whole year. At the beginning of the year, we lay out our sermon series. And for the past month, I've been praying over this particular scripture in, in the sermon and two hours, I got a phone call and I changed it all. <laughs> Despite the other 300 people that are here tonight. <laughs> and that just, that didn't make sense to me. What made more sense is that God knew I'd be there that day that he knew I was gonna try to quit and he wanted to tell me otherwise. I gave my life to the Lord that day. And I've been serving him ever since. I served in ministry for a few years. I'm a student at Southwestern now. And I'm involved with Beautiful Feet, not... It wasn't one of those things where I jumped in, I said, this is where I wanna serve. There was a, a need there. But as I've stepped into that need, I'm starting to realize those men are just like me. Five years ago, that was me living in a homeless shelter. Five years ago, that was me stuck on my own. Five years ago, that was me burnt every bridge. Five years ago, that was me with no love for anybody. Addicted, broken. And so now I get the opportunity to go and tell them, look, you're loved, don't quit. That's why I'm there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Praise God. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left. so. Uh what I'd like to do, and, and if you want to elaborate more on specifically, I know, Steph, you kind of elaborated on it, about your story and how that connects to what you're getting to do, and tju you too. So, Nathan, feel free to talk about, for one, why you are serving. right? I, I, think, I think you guys are a testimony um, to all of us as, man, we get to see you guys as new creations. Not that you have arrived, but we get to see this fruit in your life that what was, what was dead is now being made alive. And um, I wasn't planning on saying this, but also I'm, I want to go on a rabbit trail here real quick uh, and, and share a little bit of my story, um, just so you guys have some context. Um, I love hearing y'all's stories, man. It makes me glorify God. It makes me worship the Lord. Um, for any of, you, any of you guys who connect with me, uh, I am the kid whose parents were missionaries. My grandparents were missionaries. I never got drunk in high school. Uh, never have, I've never done drugs. I have uh, followed the list, the to-do list, Pretty solidly through my whole life, um, that that whole thing that was my story, and yet um, I'm not going to go into detail of it. But um, all of the things that I did, all that list, um, never got in trouble. Never, I was never a carny. Like none of that stuff ever happened in my life. Um, yeah, I'll tra- I'll check that out, bro. Um, uh, oh, that's where you got all your jokes. No, no, uh, uh, I just no. Um, so uh, that just wasn't my life, um, and and yet here's the thing. Without Christ, I was totally dead. Like, I was just as dead. And I think sometimes whenever I'm, I'm in awe of looking at other people's lives, being like, oh my gosh, look at, the, look at the contrast. I think there is this deep-rooted sin, this deep-rooted sin that hangs Jesus on the cross and mocks Jesus and whips his back that is self-righteousness, that I think, well, I'm not that bad. God didn't have to save me as, from as much, or I'm, I'm already pretty good. And it is this It is this middle finger to the Lord, and I don't even know it, and wrestle with this uh, real heart disease in my life, and yet um, for anybody in that spectrum of like, man, you were the good kid, or you were the carny, right, or the, you know, like whatever that range is. No offense to current carnies who love Jesus um, in the room, but whatever that range is, we are called to be made new, created. We need him. We are absolutely in need of a savior. Um, we are absolutely in need of a savior, and so I just I want to make sure that that is clear tonight. That we all leave, and, and there should be a recogni- recognition of I am broken and lost, and my sin is great. and And if you're in here thinking I'm not that bad, you're in trouble. Man, your sin isn't maybe as obvious, but it is just as deadly and just as destructive and just as deserving as hell. It's for hell. Uh, and so, man, just grab hold of that and really take that before the Lord. So anyway, I, I wanted to throw that out there, but now I want to talk about how do you connect, first of all, how do you connect your story with why are you serving at Justin's Place? I mean, you guys kind of alluded to it. Why are you serving at Justin's Place? And then also, um, you know, share with us, uh, you know, maybe kind of final thoughts um, with why should we? You know, why should we do that? I kind of talk about Second Corinthians 5. Where for you is that motivation to go and, and do?
1: Yeah, so I think... We can all agree that it's the gospel, um, you know, that changed my life. Um, the fact, right, that I was dead, um, and then Christ made me alive uh, in a new creation, and uh, because of that, uh, I saw saw this need. Um, I came to one of the programs that Justin's Place does on Wednesday a year and a month ago or so, and uh, saw that there were that there were boys that needed guidance, mm-hmm. and um, saw that this need, and there was really no like, male figures giving them guidance. And so I saw that need. Um, and so what propelled me to do that is just the fact that there is this need and the gospel has set us free to go and meet this need.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that.
1: Um, it set us free from right, our like, mundane life. Uh, it set us free from chasing after worthless idols to then go and step out in the same spirit that the disciples were given to go into Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth to, for, it has enabled us, the same spirit, to go to the ends of the earth mm-hmm. as well, um, sharing the gospel and meeting the needs that need to be met. That's awesome.
0: Well, give us some encouragement too for what, you know, what else kind of drives you. You had mentioned John uh, 10 earlier.
1: Yeah, so uh, if, that's, if that's not enough, um, if all <laughs> this isn't enough, uh, John 1010 is something that spurs me on. Uh, a lot, and it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, being Jesus, has, have come to give life and give life abundantly, and so it's just the reality that 15 minutes down the road, I mean, it's everywhere, don't get me wrong, but 15 minutes down the road uh, that the thief is stealing, killing, and destroying, and I have this life that Jesus has given me, um, and I have the option to either go and, and share that life and share that life abundantly or to keep it to myself. And I want to go
0: and share it abundantly. That's, that's good, man. Praise God, brother.
2: Oh, That was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, for me, serving at the net, I touched on this in my story, but I don't know why the Lord gave me the grace that he did. I don't know why I didn't because of, what my dad said, and I hear, when I'm in jail, I hear these stories, and the women's stories, some of them are horrible, all of them are horrible, some of them are just unfathomable, and some of them have stories similar to mine, and I don't know why I'm not in that same position, I don't know why I didn't run to a boyfriend who sold me to his friends, but I know that the Lord gave me grace so that I, could choose him over that, and I want to share that. I don't know why, but I know that I have it, and so I can't stop myself from spreading it as much as possible, because if there's a chance that the Holy Spirit in me can touch the Holy Spirit in someone else so that a girl doesn't have to sell herself and think that her worth is some price tag that someone's willing to pay, then I'm I'm never gonna stop until there's not a single girl or woman out there who feels the need to do that anymore. And I also know that it's only grace that didn't make me end up like my dad. If it wasn't for grace, I could be doing the same thing that my dad did to me. But the Lord saved me from that. He chose to extend this grace to me that I could reach out to so that I didn't have to be who my sin makes me want to be, which is someone that steals, kills, and destroys. Mm -hmm. But instead, he said, no, that's not what I have for you. And so I want to take this undeserving amount of grace that I've been given, and make sure that these women know exactly what their price tag is, and that it's the death of a king, and not what some guy's willing to buy them for. And so for me, a scripture that I really love, can I borrow that? I don't have one of those.
0: So. <laughs> Will somebody, somebody buy her a Bible afterward? <laughs> Anybody- You should probably get one of those. Yeah, I'll work on that. (laughs) Um,
2: So it's Isaiah 58, and the first time I heard this, I cried because it was the most beautiful thing that I had ever heard, and so I'm gonna read a piece of it. Um, It's 58, and I'm gonna start in verse six. It says, is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. And then, this is the best part. And then then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am." And so for me, I want those things that come from loosing the bonds of wickedness. And I go to other things looking for um, that comfort and looking for what's going to set me free. And he says, if you want your light to break forth, if you want healing, and if you want to call and hear me say, here I am, then please go and loosen the bonds and undo the straps and let the oppressed go free. So when I read this, I couldn't, I couldn't help but go out and do that because I saw the gift that he wanted to give me and partnering with him.
0: Praise God, that's awesome.
3: I just, I just want to drop this.
0: Yeah, Lance won't let you. Lance somehow will run down here and catch it. He's amazing. We love you, Lance.
3: Um, I wanted to share a visual. You know, I, I'm a preacher, I love illustrations. It's gonna help y'all understand the reason that I do these things and hopefully encourage you to do them as well. Um, how many of y'all have ever tried to get healthy before? You know, that New Year's resolution comes, maybe you have a two month old, you know, membership at a gym that you've been to once, right? And you're gonna have it for two more years and never go. Well, I've been there, trust me. Um, one time I went to a gym and it was when I first came to know the Lord and I wanted to get healthy and I, I, I asked them if I can get some help, they provided a trainer. And this trainer came out, and I'm imagining, and they're telling me that he's educated, he's got all this knowledge, and all this skill, and all these tools, and he has practiced. And I'm thinking, awesome, this guy's gonna know what he's talking about. And he comes out of the office, and he does not look like he works out in the gym that he works at. (laughs) He's not healthy, he's, he's overweight, he's sluggish, you know, he's just not, I love him, but he does not look like a guy that knows what he's talking about. And two thoughts hit my mind. I wrestled back and forth between the two. I said, well, I said either either the stuff that he's, like he knows all this stuff and he just doesn't believe it enough to practice it in his own life. He's like, yeah, this is great knowledge to share with other people, but I'm just not gonna do it myself because it just doesn't work. Or the even worse part is I thought he does everything that he knows. He studied for 10 years to learn all this stuff and he makes every effort towards it as possible, but it has no effect to change his life. Those are the two things I'm wrestling back and forth with. And that's what my life looks like if I have all these tools and I spend time studying at seminary and I'm going to Bible studies all the time and I'm reading scripture every day, but I don't actually do any of it in my life to be fit for my Lord and to help other people get healthy. Does it have any power at all? Because the world's looking at me and going, "Yeah, I know you have all the information, bro, but it's got no power in your life, look. You're spiritually unhealthy. That's what drives me to do these things. How many of you guys are in Bible studies, in home groups? You read, read every day, all these things, we're, we're getting all this head knowledge and all this heart knowledge, but how many reps are we putting in out in the world? How many people are we sharing it with? How fit are we getting ourselves and helping them change their lives as well? How fit are they because of our lives? And so if we do all this stuff inside these walls and we get encouraged and motivated and we walk out there and we do nothing with it, how fit are we to carry that cross?
0: That's good. Man, praise God. Um, Yeah, that'll that'll preach. Our, uh, man, our hope for this night um, is... uh, is that you will go and do, um, right? I mean, I hope that you not only see new creations who are going and being ambassadors and going and taking that message of reconciliation to these actual tangible places. We just got off the series talking about what is the shape of love, and where we landed that plane was real biblical deep love looks like sacrifice. It looks like sacrifice that was given for us, right? In understanding how Christ has laid down his life for us, so that we might then go and lay down our lives for the brother and um, the, the brothers in our life and the sisters in our life. And so, um, man, it's easy to talk about. But if we're not doing it, we're just being disobedient. Either we don't really believe it um, or, or we don't really know it or we're not really w- walking in it or it doesn't really work. And, and we know that's not, that's not true. And so, um, man, tell us real tangibly if we wanted to get involved, if we felt conviction, tonight you no longer can claim, well, I just wasn't aware of the need. I mean, there are absolute desperate needs in this city. We've got so many of them. We highlighted three and put them on a piece of paper. So when you walk out of here, you can't be like, well, I don't really know. There's three tangible places. So you guys walk us through what a tangible next step looks like. If they want to serve with Justice Place, what happens? What, what do they need to do? Uh, call me. And, <laughs> but, but here's another issue. How would they have your number, Nathan? Where would it be? Well, on the little flyer. Oh, it's on the flyer. Curious. Nice. No escape, guys. Yes. Uh,
1: so, yeah, don't uh, call me maybe, but seriously, call me. And...
0: Uh, <laughs> I see what you're Nope. And we're done.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, call me. Okay, so, and, and then what's yeah, the commitment call
0: look me, like? What and
1: are they? on Wednesdays, uh, we have this programming called All In, and it's from 420, 430-ish uh, to 540. Uh, So, wow, that leaves you plenty of time to get to renovate. That's crazy. (laughs) Um, So it's about 420 to 540 commitment on Wednesdays. uh, And it looks like coming and we jump rope, play football, Uno, all those different things. Uh, Arts and crafts, if you know that. Um, (laughs) Sure. That's true. A lot of them are, actually. They love it. Uh, And then we break into small groups and have some Bible study. And then also we have a mentoring program that is launching in the process of launching. And so if you'd like to be more like a two-on-two, or one-on-one kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and be able to pour into a kid that way.
0: A little bit of bigger commitment, but yes. probably be able to go uh,
1: Yeah, commitment there is one hour a week face-to-face. So every
0: Wednesday before renovate, you're in stop six just loving kids and Correct. just being present in their life and be in the hands of Christ. Yes. Nice. So if you want to do that, text or call Nathan or he's gonna be hanging out at the afterward. After yeah. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. I appreciate you.
2: So if you want to work with our street friends, we have bingo and bagels every Friday morning um, from like 8 to 9.30, and you come, you have breakfast, we don't serve, we share a meal because that's what Jesus did, and we're making friends, Um, and so you get to eat, and then we do family time, which is just talking about what is going on in each other's lives, and then we pray and we play bingo. And every month it changes. Um, You can also text or call me or email me. Um, But there's a homeless birthday party because we kind of forget um, a lot of people living on the streets don't get their birthday celebrated and that's sad. So we throw them a big party. um, And so that happens once a month on a Saturday. And then if you would like to get involved with um, purchase, that's a little bit more um, of a commitment and a uh, You just have to go through training. That's essentially the only thing. We just had a training this past weekend and we'll have another one coming up um, soon that you can attend. But after you do that, men can do um, disruptions and so you get to talk to buyers. And then we also have like security at our building. Um, And then women can come to jail, can partner with a Rise Lady and they can also do events and offer to bring food for our support group for women still currently in prostitution.
0: It's awesome. And your contact's on here. Mm-hmm. So if none of that made sense, but you still have a heart to do that, contact <laughs> him.
3: Um, our big day to serve is Saturdays. So it, it works out really well for busy work weeks and things like that. We, we serve two meals and have two gospel presentations on Saturdays. First one starts at eight o'clock in the morning. We have a devotional for the team that's there to, to serve and to help out. And we serve breakfast. Um, there's a lot of different things we could do. There's, if you'd like to be busy, you can work in the kitchen. Um, you could, there's always construction projects going on if you're handy with tools. There's a, a ton of clothes that need sorted every single time. And a lot of times, see, Beautiful Feet always has, they have a mission, it's like churches from out of state and from far away, they come and they spend the whole week there and they're in charge on Saturdays. And so they've got a lot of that stuff taken care of. The big thing is they just go and have conversations with people. Make them feel loved. Tell them, just be their friend. I mean, the biggest thing is a lot of times we think every conversation has to be a gospel drop. You know, we're like, what do I say? I don't know what to do. I got this cube. What what am I doing? And (laughs) they they hear the gospel a lot, I promise you, but they don't get somebody to put their arm around and say, I love you, man. You're my neighbor. You know, what can I do to help you? Or what's going on in your life? And listen to what's really going on and encourage them through it and tell them there's hope. That's the biggest thing. But if that's hard, if if those kind of conversations are difficult, there's plenty of work to do. There's a lot of stuff you can get involved in, and that helps as well because a lot of times when you're giving someone a plate of food, when you're feeding their stomach, they're a lot more susceptible to listen to what you have to say.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So a couple of hours, if even that, on a, on a Wednesday before renovate, if you've got that margin, text Nathan and say, hey man, I went in at least once, show up. Friday morning, go spend time with homeless people, eat bagels with them, love them, be the hands and feet of Christ. Or if you're interested in purchase, reach out and, and figure out kind of those next steps. Or Saturday, well, a couple of hours on a Saturday would be a starting point to just text Text TJ and say, hey, man, I got a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. I can't do kind of some of these spots, but, man, I can can give a couple hours on a Saturday. Will you meet me in the parking lot and walk in with me because I don't know anyone. I don't know what I'm doing. Text TJ, and he will walk you from your car into the ministry and be like, okay, hey, there's this guy in here. Go clean that bowl, or I don't know what you do. But, um, (laughs) man, I I want us to be challenged and convicted that's like, man, this is... is, um, this is something that is, uh, is, is low-hanging fruit for us. And to not step into some of these places and be uh, a message of reconciliation is to be disobedient. Uh, one thing else I, I want to throw out um, before I, I close in prayer and, and get these guys to come back up and lead worship is... Um, is we're going to have a conversation um, led by Forrest, who's one of, one of my brothers in this room, and, and I consider him a co-shepherd in this ministry, uh, in the 5th, uh, six room, which is just across the hall afterwards. So, man, if you just want to talk about the issue of poverty and what that looks like, we're going to have, a, a, I think, a, a pretty cool conversation about poverty and, and how to step into that and what that looks like and how to step into it in a way that we're a blessing and not, and not a curse um, and so that's going to happen just after our worship service across the hall. I want to make sure you guys are aware of that. So join, join Forrest and, and the guys for that. Um, and thank you guys so much. Thank you for not only sharing your story, and this is vulnerable and difficult, but also for modeling it and being obedient in the way that you are. It's convicting. It's challenging for me, and I really do appreciate, and I give glory to your Father in heaven because we see your good works, and then he gets the glory. So let me pray for us, and then Van will come on back up. Father, we love you, uh, we love you, and we 're so grateful for how you love us. Um, would our lives um, would our lives really reflect that? Um, man would tonight not just be this cute kind of off topic renovate that we had that um, you know was kind of in between two different sermon series? Lord would tonight be something that um, brings about change, Lord, we know that that isn 't going to come from convincing testimonies or convincing words or convincing sermons or or emotional songs or that's going to come from your holy spirit and so father bring the change that we need lord would we be more obedient would we would we see the gospel and see the implications of the gospel are for us to walk that out in the city we live in um god would that conviction be from you and would you give us the faith to to be obedient to that call lord and would tonight we um we spend some time with you as we return into worship and in music and just ask the Lord, Lord, where would you have me? And if we're not pouring out our lives, Father, where, where would that be, God? Would it be one of these three places? Would it be someplace else? Would it be uh, a spot that you've already put on our heart, but we've been saying, no, no, that's for, that's for somebody else. That's for someone who has more time, more margin. Father, go before us. Pave the way. Show us. In the name of Jesus.